people is by right a free people. And whereas for 700 years the Irish people has never ceased to repudiate and has repeatedly protested in arms against foreign usurpation. And whereas English rule in this country is and always has been based upon force and fraud and maintained by military occupation against the declared will of the people. And whereas the Irish Republic was proclaimed in Dublin on Easter Monday, 1916, by the Irish Republican Army acting on behalf of the Irish people. And whereas the Irish people is resolved to secure and maintain its complete independence in order to promote the common weal, to re-establish justice, to provide for future defense, to ensure peace at home and goodwill with all nations, and to constitute a national policy based upon the people's will with equal right and equal opportunity for every citizen. And whereas at the threshold of a new era in history, the Irish electorate has in the general election of December 1918 seized the first occasion to declare by an overwhelming majority its firm allegiance to the Irish Republic. Now, therefore, we, the elected representatives of the ancient Irish people in national parliament assembled, do, in the name of the Irish nation, ratify the establishment of the Irish Republic and pledge ourselves and our people to make this declaration effective by every means at our command. January the 21st, 1919. Never was a springtime so early. Never did the song of sweet liberty sound so clear. For in this day, in the Dublin Mansion House, the Irish Republic declared its independence to the world at the first meeting of its first parliament, the first Dáileárún. It was the end of a road and the beginning of a road, the realization of an old dream and the first promise of a new reality. There was a hundred, three hundred, seven hundred years of history in it, giving it sanction, although its immediate authority was but a few weeks old. The young men of the first Doyle, and most of them were very young, were not parliamentarians by training or tradition. When they offered themselves for election in December 1918, they were, nearly all of them, as new to politics as Sean McEntry was. It wasn't as a politician that I first entered the public scene. It was, as, as I have said, as a member of the volunteers who, well, with the part I played, uh, had been court-martialed and 
sentenced to death and then to penal servitude for life. And it was as a released prisoner that I first uh, stood on a political platform per se uh, in, in, in East Clare when Mr. De Valera was selected as candidate for East Clare. I was one of those who uh, went down and worked with him. Liam O'Brien was a candidate at the general election in Mid-Armagh. He was one of the unsuccessful ones. He was defeated by his unionist opponent. But there, as everywhere, it was made clear to the electors that if Sinn Féin were returned, they would not sit at Westminster, but would convene a national assembly in Dublin. That was clear, yes, that was clear. But I'm not uh, too certain that it was very clear about the proclamation of the Republic. Uh, you know, the, uh, the aims of the, of the movement and the aims of the dog, which were published, which have been published, uh, the reaffirmation of the Republic of Easter Week and so on. But among other things in that was the appeal to the uh, peace conference. And I think, uh, I think that was what we stressed. I know I did, and uh, many other speakers that I knew of at the time stressed mainly in their speeches to public meetings the right of Ireland to self-determination, according to the 14 points laid down by President Wilson, who said that all nations small as well as great, small and weak as well as great and strong, were entitled to decide upon their own form of government. That that was our plank. The issue we put to the people was to forget all petty local issues, to vote for the candidate who stood for that, no matter who he was or where he came from, uh, no matter what he was like individually, and uh, to form a, a big body, a unanimous call to the peace conference to allow Ireland to, to decide its own fate. Campaigning for such a policy was not without risks because there was a hostile element in the place at the time. Uh, uh, the, what we used to call the separation people, they were manifest in the early elections. De Valera's own election in Clare and other elections. That is to say, the wives and families of the men who were at the front and who were drawing separation allowances, or co-knowns that separation of women. They were very hostile. They thought their husband's uh, future and their husband's jobs and their own jobs were in jeopardy. And uh, there was also, of course, those who still uh, remained faithful to the Irish party. But broadly speaking, the people are all overwhelmingly in sympathy with the movement. This sympathy was far from evident at the time of the 1916 Rising. How had the change come about? Well, here's Ernon the Blythe, himself a member of the First Thoy. What happened was, I was through the country from the beginning of the war, and at first everybody nearly was with the parliamentary party. We found it very hard in most places to start volunteer companies, that is to say, companies of what were called the McNeil Volunteers, because everybody believed at first that the war would be over soon, that the Irish parliamentary party had been right in backing the British, and that the country would get its reward in immediate home rule. Then as the war spun out, people began to be doubtful and wonder whether, after all, Britain was going to win and wonder whether the Parliamentary Party would get its reward. Then the rising came, and that produced a fantastic change uh, uh, from being overwhelmingly with the Parliamentary Party, the country turned overwhelmingly against it. I've often mentioned the case of Michal Brennan, who was arrested in Easter week in Limerick, and when he was being taken to the station to be deported to England, the soldiers had to use their rifle butts to protect him from the crowd. When we were released from Reading Jail at Christmas, he went back to Limerick, 
when he looked out of the train at Limerick Station, he saw the immense crowd and thought perhaps he ought to be uh, making his way out by some back way. The crowd surged up, they caught him, they hoisted him on his shoulders. He, he was taken with 5,000 people behind him to the Treaty Stone. That was rather typical of what happened all over the country. In the summer after the rising, the country changed. The country changed. How wide and how deep the change was at first is something for historians to argue about. The by-elections in 1917 were a fair indication that it was no passing mood, no mere emotional reaction. Slowly but surely, Sinn Féin was gaining the support of the mass of the people. And the colossal blunder of the British government in attempting to enforce conscription produced such a united, massive resistance that when the general election came, a Sinn Féin victory was more than likely. But few believed that it would be such a victory. When the result was announced, the parliamentary party, which had once held 85 seats, held only four. The Unionists, 26, and Sinn Féin, 73. On the 7th of January, 1919, a private meeting of the newly elected Sinn Féin members was called in the Mansion House. Most of those who were at liberty came to the meeting, at which Sean T. O'Kelly took the chair. Sean T. had already been acting as chairman of a subcommittee of Sinn Féin, nominated shortly after the election results, in order to make arrangements for the holding of a National Assembly. It was at this meeting, on January the 7th, that these arrangements were ratified. The name of the assembly, Valleron, the date and place of the first meeting, the Mansion House, 21st of January, the agenda were all decided upon. And it was also decided that Carl Broom, acting as deputy for Eamon de Valera as president of Sinn Féin, who was still in jail, should preside at the first day's assembly. Two other decisions were made. One, that all the successful candidates Unionist as well, and nationalist as well as members of Sinn Féin, should be invited to the meeting of the Doyle. And, and this was a decision which had fateful consequences, that the Irish form of the word republic to be used in the Doyle proceedings would not be public, but Sairsthorth. Preparations went on until the very eve of the meeting. And on the morning of the 21st of January, what were the newspapers saying? The Irish Times said, The National Assembly of the Irish Republican Party will meet today in Dublin. We shall not try to anticipate the Irish government's attitude to this portent, but we may assume that the King's authority will be safe in its hands. Today's proceedings, apart from any question of their legality or propriety, will have much interest for Irishmen of all parties, since today Sinn Féin must tell the country how it proposes to carry out its programme without further evasion or ambiguity. But there was cause for concern. The whole of Nationalist Ireland may well await with anxiety an official statement of the Assembly's attitude to the policy and deeds of Messrs Lenin and Trotsky. It owes this duty to all its supporters, and not least to those ecclesiastics whose example and precept helped create the National Assembly. We do not believe that any party of Irishmen, however reckless or fanatical, will care to traffic with this hideous creed. We are confident that the men and women who voted Sinn Féin never intended to give a vote to Bolshevism. The London Times was not so confident. Irish Labour is revolutionary and avowedly Bolshevist, and 
nothing that Sinn Féin proposes or aims at will be objected to by Labour on the grounds of its being too extreme or illegal. The whole thing is, of course, childishly illegal, but so long as it is orderly, there will be no interference on the part of the government. And at home, the Freeman's Journal saw the shadow of the Red Menace. The Red Guards were as effective as Cromwell's slayers, and the government that the Irish workers are asked to admire has as much likeness to a democracy and a republic as the old Venetian oligarchy did. Did these newspapers reflect popular opinion? Liam O'Brien, what was the popular mood? The uh, popular feeling was, you can take it in three sections, the, uh, there was a mass of the people, uh, uh, of the poor people, shall I say, who were really ignorant, who didn't know what these curious fellows were going to do. They'd elected the Sinn Féiners without quite knowing what they were going to do. And, uh, and uh, they looked on rather, uh, rather blankly, rather with astonishment, and uh, gradually, only gradually came into things. There was another element, of course, which, as I mentioned before, were hostile. These are not only the Irish Party faithful adherents, but of course the Unionist element in the country. But thirdly, there was a mass of the people who knew what they had done, who knew who were definitely decided to support Sinn Féin and vote Sinn Féin, and that they and they knew what uh, and and they they were impressed by the his historicity, by the solemnity of this occasion. That this they knew they realised was a big historical moment. It was a great break with the past with the Irish party, with attendance at Westminster, with the past from Parnell, and in fact with the past going back to O'Connell, with the whole 19th century nationalist element in the House of Commons. That was a big thing, to end that completely and start this national uh, parliament at home without waiting for England's permission. Of course, there was a smaller element, and these were the fateful old Sinn Féiners who had read Arthur Griffith and who knew that that was his, his policy, the policy of holding a of, of abstention first and then a national assembly which would in every way it could uh, set out to take the government of the country out of the hands of the administration in Dublin Castle. The 21st of January, 1919, was a day of many memories. One of those who remember it is Sean Ogo Kelly, then a boy of ten. His father, and that's why he's called Sean Ogue, his father, Sean O'Kelly, better known as Skillig, was one of Carl Brew's closest associates and was himself deeply involved in the doings of the day. He was, yes and uh, he was one of the few deputies who were not in prison at the time and who happened to be uh, available to attend the first dial. Uh, he had uh, a couple of tickets. Uh, he gave one to my mother and uh, he gave one to myself, so I had the privilege of being present at the first meeting of the first dial on the 21st of January 1919. Uh, I can remember quite clearly. Um, I remember... Carl Brew uh, in a raised dais, not on the platform of the mansion house, not on the stage, but on a raised dais on the floor. Uh, under him, there were um, three or four secretaries. Um, beside him was Father Michael O'Flanagan, um, who was called upon by Carl Brew to pray to the Holy Ghost to send all the blessings that they could 
onto the new Irish nation and onto the new Parliament of Ireland. On upper is talk the Rinuganering, on law honig nagail gahering, Agassis naif on upper e. They nagwil doxakohas dia shashingaler, they nagun sim nalihide, Agastavrishin, Bokordoing kun of dearer year, a gordon hebre tagwing lediano. Ere the nisher and sagartis dorok di dar warri of an airing, on taher me hall of flanagoin, gui common spirit naif doing. Conching a stura er our lass er a mohra tagging like a wall. Agus a carde, pekin our credit again and shah, ere der gachnain, padrachor suus come day, o yachter a chri, come cower hurt doing a no. Glamanish er an ahermihal of Flanagan. Father of Flanagan recited a prayer to the Holy Spirit, and then Carlbrew called the roll of members of the Doyle. Some, as might have been expected, had business elsewhere. Dear Ferishte Pottinger, Captain H. Dixon. Aslahir. Dear Ferishte Shankill, S. McGuffin. Aslahir. Dear Ferishte St. Anne's, T. H. Brown. Aslahir. Dear Ferishte Victoria, T. Donald. Aslahir. Dear Ferishte Woodville, R. J. Lynn. Aslahir. Bill Ferishte, Queen's University, Mr. Whitlaw. Aslahir. Kunte Heroin, Herhuig, T.J.S. Harbison. Aslahir. Kunte Heroin, Herhuig, Arto Griefe. Heglas Eggalig. Kunte Heroin, Hass, Mr. Coote. Aslahir. Kahir Fortlarige, Captain W. Redmond. Aslahir. Ulskolaw Clea, A. Samuels. Aslahir. Dr. R. Woods. Aslahir. Raho Mina O Clea, Sir M. Dockrell, Aslahir, Ulskull Neheron, Owen McNeil, Elahir, O Clea Pembroke, Dasfo McGarrett, Feglas Eggallet, O Clea Neil Seamus, Joseph McCrae, Feglas Eggallet, Contenemi Hass, Eamon O'Dougain, Elahir, Contenemi Huig, Liam O'Melissa, Er Diebert Eggallet, Conte Caharach, Seamus O'Lenain, Fregas Egalif, Kunte and Kavain here, Arto Griefe, Feglas Egalif, Kunte and Kavain here, Polo Galagoin, Feglas Egalif, Kunte and Glair here, Eman de Valera, Feglas Egalif. That last voice there saying Feglas Egalif was the voice of Sean Noonan, sometime Irish ambassador to the United States of America, but in 1919, one of the four talks appointed to manage the business of the first meeting of Doileran. He too, like the deputies themselves, was a novice to things parliamentary. Well, after I came out of jail in March 17, I came back to Dublin and uh, was on the staff of Sinn Féin. I was connected with several of the by-elections. I was secretary of the by-election Kilkenny uh, from there, I went to number six, Harcourt Street, which was the headquarters of Sinn Féin, and I was on the staff there. Uh, I was with James O'Mara, who was director of elections in 1918. And after the uh, elections in December 18, Gavin Duffy asked me to, or told me, 
that I was to be one of the clerks of the Doyle. There were four clerks, Dermot Hagerty, Ristardo Folua, Paddy Sheehan and myself. My main duty that day was to answer the roll call for the men who were in jail, because you must remember there were quite a number who were in prison in England. And where then, when their names were called, my job at that time was to reply on their behalf that they were Fweglas Egalif. Fweglas Egalif, a phrase that loses all its savour in translation, but explained why so many of the 73 Sinn Féin deputies were detained at His Majesty's pleasure. But those who were free to attend proceeded with the day's business. As Sean O'Calley recalls, I remember Count Plunkett very clearly uh, reading the proclamation of independence in French. Nous, représentants élus du peuple irlandais, réunis en Assemblée nationale, attendu que le peuple irlandais est de droit un peuple libre, attendu qu'il n'a jamais cessé pendant 700 ans de répudier l'usurpation étrangère, et qui l'a maintes fois repoussé par les armes. Que le gouvernement anglais en I remember Carl Brew reading it in Irish. Uh, I remember uh, that uh, we were, uh, there were about uh, 70 or 80 chairs uh, halfway up the hall for the deputies who were in attendance and behind those chairs there was a rope barrier uh, where invited guests were allowed to sit and uh, also up on the gallery of their own room. I remember also volunteers in uniform, including David Sears, uh, God rest him now, um, acting as, well, uh, not necessarily protectors, but uh, guardians of the assembly. Um, these things are very, still very vivid in my mind, particularly the uh, green uniforms worn by these men who are acting as guards of the assembly. Because at that time, um, Dáil Erdin or the members of Dáil Erdin were not uh, too happy that uh, they would be allowed to meet at all and that at any time the British authorities might move in, either the army or the Dublin Metropolitan Police, to break up the organisation. The fact that the Doyle was allowed to proceed was the subject of favourable comment in the following morning's Irish Times. The Irish government's wisdom in permitting the Republican Party to hold its National Assembly yesterday was justified in the event. The thing, in one sense, was futile and unreal, but in another it conveyed a very grave warning to the Irish people. The Doyle was described as... A solemn act of defiance of the British Empire by a body of young men who have not the slightest notion of the Empire's power and resources. The Freeman's Journal was hardly more friendly. 
a most momentous gathering if it was not merely an exhibition of political fireworks. If the proceedings were seriously meant, and if there is any intention to attempt to carry the decisions into effect, we greatly fear that we are on the eve of one of the most tragic chapters in the history of Ireland. In Britain, the Daily News said, No one who is not determined to deny patent facts can refuse to acknowledge that, behind the Declaration of Independence at Dublin yesterday, fiercely in earnest is a solid mass of almost all Irish opinion outside Ulster. No one can study impartially the history of the last few years without admitting that it is the policy, or want of policy, of the British government which has driven the Irish people to this extremity. In America, the world commented, They may fly their revolutionary flags. They may conduct their proceedings in Gaelic, as far as the delegates know how. They are assured of full protection by the British government, which they are required by their consciences and oaths to defy and denounce. The Daily Express and Irish Daily Mail described the proceedings as Nothing but vague idealism, nothing but empty phrases. The whole thing is so ludicrous that we can scarcely regard it as what Sinn Féin really aims at. This is by-play designed. It may be to cover the sinister designs of the real leaders of the movement of revolt. On the 23rd of January, the Times had this to say. History will probably date the definite decline of the Sinn Féin movement from the day when its National Assembly was opened in Dublin. As to the Doyle's supporters, the Irish Times had them summed up. The crowd was composed of young men and women, many of whom wore that dark and dour expression which seems to go with Sinn Féin. But Sinn Féin felt neither dour nor dark. Sean O'Kelly remembers the day as one of joy and hope. It was a day of great hope, a day of great excitement, because uh, thousands of people... Um, were trying to force their way into the round room of the mansion house and had to be controlled by volunteers outside the gates, not controlled by the police, but by volunteers like the stewards on the civil rights marches in the north are trying to control their followers rather than depending on the police of the north to do the work that they should be doing. Three major documents were read at the Doyle's first meeting. The Declaration of Independence, an appeal to the free nations of the world, and the Democratic Programme, which was a declaration of social policy. The Irish Labour Party had, for a number of reasons, not contested the general election, but there were close traditional and personal links between many members of the new Doyle and leaders of the Labour and Socialist movement. It was to one of these leaders, William O'Brien, that Shanti O'Kelly turned when it was decided that the Doyle agenda should include a statement of social intent. O'Brien, in turn, discussed the matter with Tom Johnson and Cahill O'Shannon. And the three of us got together and we agreed on what would be the, might call, the general line of the document. Uh, Johnson was given the task uh, of drawing up the draft, uh, along with my assistance, uh, my assistance uh, uh, was largely uh, taken some things from Pierce's last pamphlet, The Sovereign People, uh, which showed the influence of James Connolly on Pierce, especially on Pierce's last years. Uh, I added that, and perhaps one or two other things, and uh, that document then 
was handed back to Shantee O'Kelly. Uh, the rest of the story, we knew nothing about it, but Johnson and I were in the Dal in the gallery at the opening of the Dal uh, when the three documents were adopted. They were all done in Irish. Mulcahy and Pierce Beasley did the democratic program. To tell the truth, I can't tell, can't remember whether we called it the democratic program or whether somebody else called it the democratic program. But anyhow, Johnson and I noticed that there were some s changes in the thing as originally drafted and handed to Sean T. O'Kelly. We didn't know uh, how uh, those occurred until years afterwards. The programme, as finally promulgated, was more social than socialist. Some of the more radical expressions in the first draft were removed or rewritten by Sean T. at the insistence of some of his colleagues. Still, it was, for all that, a remarkably progressive document for its time. And if its provisions had been fully implemented, one could not refer today to what a contemporary scholar has called the social revolution that never was. Earn on the Blyde puts it rather sharply. No, nor I did, never found anybody who took the slightest interest in it. It was uh, the Labour Party secured the adoption of it. I don't think anybody, practically speaking, bothered with it afterwards. It was regarded as some sort of a hoisting of a flag, but it wasn't uh, considered significant in the struggle that was commencing. If the first Doyle was not unduly preoccupied with social affairs, economics was one of its major concerns. If the Doyle was to be more than the exercise in window dressing, which its enemies accused it of being, it had to get down to work, its task being nothing less than the replacement of British government in Ireland by a national administration. To do this job, money was badly needed which gives point to the importance of Michael Collins' appointment as Minister for Finance. The money was raised both at home and in America. In June 1919, Sean Noonan, who was by then private secretary to the president, accompanied Mr. de Valera to the United States. Well, perhaps accompanied is not quite the word. Well, Mr. de Valera went as a stowaway. Uh, Michael Collins, to whom I went to get my transportation orders, advised me to go to Liverpool and see Neil Carr, who was the head centre of the IRB at that time. I accordingly went to Liverpool, having got five pounds at number six Harcourt Street to bring me to New York. Uh, saw Neil Kerr, and the following day, we went down to the docks, and lo and behold, the Aquitania was signing on a crew. We were inside of an hour, I was a member of the Seamen's and Firemen's Union, the secretary of which, incidentally, was also an IRB man. Uh, I, had a, I, was, I had a new name, I was James Smith, and I was registered as such at the Board of Trade. I then signed on as a fireman on the Aquitania, and a couple of days afterwards, we sailed from Southampton to New York, where I jumped ship and linked up again with Mr. Devalera. I travelled through America with him, and later on, when we were in Portland, Oregon, Mr. James O'Mara, who had been Director of Elections here in 1918, uh, came out to direct the bond drive. Then Mr. De Valera and James O'Mara decided that I should go with Mr. O'Mara to run the bond drive with him.
Uh, I was made registrar of the Bond Drive, and we raised roughly six million dollars. It was a fantastic achievement. I suppose it was the Irish, by and large, who did it In all. In the main, it was. Mr. O'Mara and uh, other men there, Joe McGarrity in particular, were very active, and the old clan of Gale in New York too, and committees were set up in practically every state of the Union. Monies were collected there, deposited in a bank account in that state, and eventually transferred to one account in New York, and from there it was withdrawn and sent home. There were two loans. The first loan raised roughly, oh, I suppose, around five million, perhaps, yeah, about five million. Uh, then that was closed down, and a second loan was launched, and Mr. Stephen O'Mara, uh, brother of James, came out to run it. But then the uh, treaty came along, and that second loan folded up. Now, when you were doing all this work, Mr. Noonan, uh, you and your colleagues were working, of course, in the name of the Irish Republic. Did you feel that the authority under whom you were working was Doyle-Aaron? Oh, definitely. No doubt about it. That, that was the parliament set up by the vote of the people, and we took that vote as law. That was our law. Doyle-Aaron was our master. We worked for them, through them, for the country. During the three years, 1919, 1920, and 1921, the first Doyle held 12 sessions. In the first year, four of these were public, but all the others were private and at times, for obvious reasons, secret. The remarkable thing is that against the tumultuous background of those years, so much constructive work was done. The outstanding example being that of the Sinn Féin or Republican courts. Conor Maguire, later to become Chief Justice of Ireland, was deeply involved in the work of these courts, and indeed he claims that it was in his native Mayo that it all began. The first recollection I have of the idea of setting up courts being mentioned was when I was uh, uh, chairman of the Corleacanthor of Sinn Féin in, in Mayo. We had four solicitors uh, sympathetic with Sinn Féin, actively so, Paddy Rutledge being, of course, the principal one. And uh, we conceived the idea that it would be possible to uh, uh, accept the leader, leader of the doll, which uh, early in uh, 1919 indicated its wish that the arbitration that we should try, the setting up of our arbitration courts, we decided to have a go at it. And we arranged that uh, we would set up courts and uh, follow more or less the procedure of the British courts, the uh, petty sessions and the county court, and then the, later the assizes. And uh, at first it was uh, uh, an effort that we didn't hope to gain, to, to succeed. But uh, we found that uh, people, curiously enough, were, were, were rather anxious that we should take over the administration of justice. And uh, once we got the courts going, uh, we had no trouble in getting either uh, local men who were prepared to sit as uh, justices or in uh, persuading litigants to come to the courts. Sometimes, of course, there was much more. There was uh, more than mere persuasion used to uh, induce litigants to uh, transfer their cases. But directly, the courts began to function, and they, they saw 
but uh, justice was being administered. And we had no trouble at all, and in the end, uh, of course, it's a good deal later, uh, we, 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 we took all the business away from the county court, and we, uh, in uh, 1920, took away all the business from the assize court. One court, Conor Maguire recalls as crucial. It involved a case of land agitation. In the village of Kilmain, there were two uh, men, one ho ho held 50 acres and the other 40, and they were looked on in that part of the country as ranchers, and uh, <laughs> the usual type of agitation began against them, digging graves outside their houses, boycotting them, and, and this happened, as a matter of fact, to be right in the, in the historic na boycott neighbourhood, uh, only a few uh, miles away. Uh, boycott had been, had been, uh, had given the, the word boycott to the language, and <coughs> we were following a, a well-known tradition. <coughs> but uh, they were, I should say, boycotting, and um, uh, we were hopeful to, to get the trouble adjusted before the local uh, Sinn Féin court. Were you involved in the case yourself? I was uh, involved as act acting for the acting for the agitators. And uh, they were anxious, of course, to come before the local court, hoping that they'd get, get a, a, a better deal there. But uh, Father Healy, the parish priest of Kilmaine, came to me and told me that uh, the, his friends, the two men who were being boycotted, would never go to a local court. But uh, they made, he made the offer that if I could get the people in Dublin to send down somebody to act in the capacity of uh, arbitrator or judge, that uh, he believed they would uh, obey his wishes and uh, go before such a tribunal. Arthur Griffith, however, was reluctant to act, fearing that even if the court were held without hindrance, it would be impossible to enforce the verdict if it went against the agitators. I told him that I thought Commandant uh, Tom McGuire uh, would ensure that it would be carried out. And uh, I saw him and asked him, and he told me, yes, it will. So I, I wrote to Dublin, told them, asked them to send somebody down. They sent down Kevin O'Shiel and Art O'Connor. Art O'Connor was later the, the uh, Minister for Agriculture. Uh, Kevin uh, was just a practicing lawyer at the time. And uh, we held uh, uh, the court in the town of Castle <coughs> Uh, and it was the first open Sinn Féin court held anywhere. Everybody was full of interest in it, and after about a um, fortnight, they gave their judgment against my clients in favour of the two ranchers, and the reason they gave was that there were 500 acres in the hands of the Justice Board uh, nearby, which would quite well afford, could accommodate every, every agitating tenant. How the verdict was enforced is another story, but enforced it was with the assistance of the volunteers. This is a program about the first Doyle, not about the Anglo-Irish War. It is, however, to be noted that the conduct of that war was brought under the control of the Doyle once the Oath of Allegiance to the Republic and the Doyle was introduced in August 1919 and administered not only to deputies and officers of the Doyle, but also to the volunteers. There may be argument about the effectiveness of the control, but the significance of the oath 
was, as Limo Breen reminds us, of the highest importance. The volunteers through the country, when they started engaged in conflict with the Black and Tans, and these did not consider themselves to be rebels. It was no longer, uh, although the cry of up the rebels was to be heard, it was rather an ignorant cry. They were, they considered themselves to be the soldiers of a constituted authority. Soldiers acting with the authority of a government established in Dublin, a regularly established government representing the majority of the people and elected by the majority of the people. This was a very, very important thing for their morale and also for their conscience, if you like, when they had to do terrible deeds, they could always say superior orders, the government. On the question of international recognition for the Irish Republic, High hopes had, as we've heard, been placed on the Versailles Peace Conference. This, however, turned out to be, for Ireland, damp squib. The envoys of the First Doyle, however, did do very valuable work, both in Europe and America. And on another level, Carl O'Shannon and Tom Johnson made Ireland's case heard at the Social and Labour International meeting held in Bern early in 1919. It happened that Ramsay MacDonald who was the leader of the British delegation, a very influential uh, international man, uh, made a speech, but it was really the ordinary British liberal labour speech on Ireland uh, about home rule, about supporting home rule. Johnson, my colleague, said to me, send up your name and answer MacDonald. I sent up my name and I answered MacDonald, told about the rising, told about Connolly, told about the setting up of the Dal and all that, and about the support that we were given to it, and uh, the good uh, relations between uh, the insurrectionists and ourselves. And that had a very good effect, particularly afterwards when people spoke to me. What they were very much interested in was that when some other subject nationalities, like the Czechs and others, had set up governments in exile, the Irish had set up not only a government at home, but a parliament at home called Dalian. time for celebration. We keep the past for pride. But it is also a proper time for reassessment. To help us to look at the first Doyle 50 years afterwards, here are two historians, Kevin Nolan and John Murphy. Kevin, how do you see the first Doyle as an expression of popular will? Well, of course, this is one of the very difficult questions to answer, but a very important one. Uh, the easy cliché way of answering it is to say that the popular will elected the first Republican Doyle. But of course one has to say to ask the question in turn to what extent the people were consciously Republican in 1918, to what extent was the result an expression of anger, discontent, disillusionment at the whole pattern of home rule politics and British government policy before and after 1916. And I think the answer must surely lie something along these lines. Some people were positively, consciously Republican, others were disillusioned but prepared to somehow see in Sinn Féin 
a new approach to the whole problem of the government and the future of Ireland. And perhaps in all revolutions, that is as much as one can expect, that you will have some who are conscious, who have a clear political programme, and that others are prepared either to accept it, allow it, and to follow them. But I don't think one can push the thing much beyond that point. John Murphy? Yes, I, I, I agree with Kevin. Um, there was, of course, the hard residual element of white uh, Fenian, white by tradition, who, who definitely, in voting for Sinn Féin, were voting for a republic. Um, but there was also a great mass of people who were rejecting the Parliamentary Party, rejecting Westminster, rejecting Dublin Castle, and who were voting, without a doubt, for independence, but to interpret their vote as a vote for um, an Irish Republic per se is, I think, putting an interpretation in the facts which a historian cannot really guarantee, which, which he can't stand over. Of course, the uh, revised programme of Sinn Féin is relevant here. The revised programme Sinn Féin has adopted in 1917 is undoubtedly relevant, but even that, of course, left a very important way out, Sean, because it said there that while the aim of Sinn Féin was to achieve an Irish Republic, yet the ultimate relationship between Ireland and other countries would be determined freely by the representatives of the people of Ireland, leaving a way open, of course, for a possible settlement with Great Britain. And this is an aspect of Sinn Féin policy one must never forget, the underlay of conservatism under, shall we say, the crust of revolution. Uh, would you see here, and perhaps in this use of the word Sersthot for, uh, for Republic, uh, the notion of Republic not so much as a form of government as what the ballad called complete separation? Well, Liam O'Brien has just told us that um, when he was electioneering in 1918, uh, he, he and his, his colleagues made it quite clear to the people that Sinn Féin was standing for an independent Ireland. But he's not quite so sure that... Uh, they were standing for any particular doctrinal form of government. And it's of interest that Mr. de Valera specifically uh, disclaimed um, that the people had in fact voted for a republic, for a precise doctrinal form of government. They had voted for independent self-determination. Yes, I think that's the important point, Sean, that uh, John has just made, that self-determination was the issue rather than precise forms of government. While, of course, the, the purer clearer, more doctrinaire view of republicanism was there underlying... The oh, but of course, as, as I think John mentioned earlier, the old Athenian republican tradition, an enormously important factor in the making of modern Ireland. Now, this, this radicalism, uh, would, one would have expected it to carry with it a social radicalism. This is one of the peculiarities, Sean, I think, of the whole development of modern Irish nationalism, even from the end of the 19th century onwards. I think the Land Acts took the fire out of the belly, so to speak, of Irish radical nationalism. It became essentially a matter of the relatively small urban working class. Rural Ireland, as indeed many uh, Russian socialists discovered to his cost, like rural Russia, rural Ireland became increasingly conservative once its aims were achieved, namely ownership of the land. And I think unless one remembers that, one cannot understand the curious paradox that the Irish Revolution became increasingly a bourgeois middle-class revolution, while in other countries of the world, including even the German Revolution, 1918-1919, you had a very strong socialist undercurrent. And, of course, the uh, Republican courts dealing with land troubles is very important in this. Well, so it is, and it's, again, significant that, that the great majority of verdicts in these cases were in favour of the status quo. Now... Your um, 
Marxist historian would interpret this as the triumph of the middle-class nationalist over the suppressed socialism of the volunteers. But it's far more realistic, and we must always take the uh, touchstone of the surviving veteran and so on, a very important matter for historians here, um, that rather the, the whole reason for these conservative decisions was the Times, after all, the Freeman's Journal had denounced the proceedings of the first thaw as avowedly Bolshevist, and it was a it was a prime matter for for the judges of Republican court to demonstrate that they were respectable, that they were they had a right concern for the proper social values and so on. And I think that the Republican courts, in pronouncing for landlords, were pronouncing for law and order. Kevin, I'd go a long way with John Murphy on that point. But on the other side, one must bear in mind again the interesting comments we heard in the programme earlier. Ernest Blythe of the Democratic programme was a bit of window dressing, not much more. Cahill O'Shannon's comment that the end product, and he put it in his own very characteristically cautious and gentle way, that the end product wasn't quite the thing that was sent in. And, of course, the fact remains that the democratic programme did largely remain window dressing. One cynic has once said that the republic which emerged was the tricolour republic and not the plough and the stars republic. That is a simplification, of course. But as I said earlier, the remarkable thing, I think, about the Irish Revolution was that it was so conservative, so moderate, so moderate that it has been described ultimately as a half-revolution. But perhaps the half-revolution reflects the deep tolerance on another level of the Irish people. Of course, it was by no means a tolerant revolution when it came to the action in the field. And, of course, you yourself have talked and written about the relationship between the Doyle and the fighting men. Yes, well, of course, this is one of the interesting things. Potentially, I suppose, the volunteers could have developed into a sort of makings of a military dictatorship sort of organisation. But the interesting, and I think for the story of democratic parliamentary government in Ireland, the interesting thing was that they eventually did come, however hesitantly perhaps in some cases, they did come under Doyle Ayrton and became the Army of the Republic, stressing something which I think is important, this enormous concern about constitutionality. Could I come back, Sean, to um, the average volunteer? Uh, people like Strauss, uh, again, have this bookish division between the Sinn Féin moderates and the volunteer uh, proletariat, so to speak. But if, if we relate this to what we know and to what we can glean from our uncles and fathers and so on, this doesn't really make sense. What did the average volunteer fight for? Um, he fought for neither a doctrinaire constitutional form of government, neither for a republic, nor for a socialist revolution. Um, and thus we see uh, flamboyant inscriptions and monuments, so-and-so died for the republic is established in 1916. He certainly did not. He fought for Ireland. Uh, and in this vague, all-embracing concept, of course, he assumed that Ireland would be a better place, would be free, and would have, obviously, social justice and would give fair play to all its citizens. And yet, and yet, the notion of the Republic was there and continued to be there. And, of course, the notion of the Republic taking its place among the free nations of the world. Well, now, I think this is a very crucial question. Because while I think John Murphy is correct, and I go again along with him in stressing uh, the fact that one must think in terms of separatism rather than doctrinaire republicanism, yet the old Fenian tradition, 
the establishment in 1867 of the Irish Republic virtually established, with also quite a strong undercurrent on the question of land reform, be it added, at the time, that this tradition was the thing which gives a continuity in revolutionary thought in Ireland. It can't be forgotten. On the other hand, it would be silly to assume that the whole of Ireland felt that way. But the key figures in the making, I think, of our revolution felt that way. And, of course, 1916 is dominant here. Uh, the sheer weight of, of, of the martyr dead must have been enormous. Mm. Uh, it, it was the main motif in the 1918 election. And uh, uh, though we might say, some of us, that for the first all to proclaim in so uncompromising, in, in such uncompromising terms, the Republic won and indivisible, yet it is difficult to see in view of the sheer weight, so to speak, of, of, of separatist history and of the introduction of 1916 in what other form the demand for independence could be expressed. Of course, this other motif of the 1918 election campaign, the peace conference, uh, the hopes placed on that, of course, it was sad how this worked out. I, I do feel, however, that you know people like Shanti O'Kelly and the other envoys must have done an, an enormous amount of Yes, but if, uh, again, perhaps, this the, the, this may be brought back to the question of the particular form in which the demand for independence was expressed. If the first oil had ex expressed itself in less uncompromising terms and had backed it up, let us say, by a, um, a campaign of civil disobedience, of passive resistance, who knows, perhaps, that world opinion at large and British public opinion in particular might have put pressure on the British government to yield to this particular kind of claim. Of course, the funny thing about the whole tradition of the Doyle is that it is very deeply embedded in an Irish, an Irish tradition going back to O'Connell. This notion of, let us use the English electoral machinery, let us re-establish the old Irish Parliament. It has never been dissolved, it has really never disappeared. We are now really, really reconstituting it. And I think the fascinating thing about the events of 1919 was this wedding of a Republican radical revolutionary tradition with the notion that you could have a orderly constitutional parliament representing the people of Ireland. And that you could set up an administration. Now, this I is unique, I think. do obviously. feel that the way in which uh, a para-administration was set up in this country in the teeth and in full view of the British structure was quite fantastic. Quite fantastic, and possibly in the uh, subject correction in the history of Europe in the 20th century, I think possibly unique. John Murphy? In fact, it's the uniqueness of the Irish Revolution uh, which fascinates historians. Um, uh, for the whole Irish Revolution, not simply for the proceedings of the First Dáil, it is very difficult to see uh, European parallels. Um, the only obvious one, I suppose, is the one which Griffith put before his listeners, uh, had put before them for uh, a decade or more, the question of the Hungarian um, abstention. Uh, and even this, many historians would say, was a very controversial interpretation. But beyond this, um, it's very difficult to see that there was any other inspiration for Irish procedures, for Irish revolutionary strategy, yes. except the purely internal and traditional one. Oh, I think this is absolutely true, Sean, that the, as it were, the precedent was to be found originally in O'Connell's notion of the Council of 300, mm -hmm. which then Griffith took up uh, at the beginning of this century very cleverly and very brilliantly. And as I say, one can perhaps see in the events of early 1919 a curious coming together of kind of passive resistance with the tradition of military action, which is again a fascinating study in political development. A, a kind of amalgam of, of the old, insensate, inarticulate white boy activities right. and the new 
articulate Sinn Féin expression going back to Catholic emancipation. So and on. perhaps personalised in, among other people, Michael Collins, who mm. we think of as the great guerrilla leader, the genius in, in, in setting up an intelligence uh, system, but also the brilliant Minister for Finance, who organised the money without which the thing could not have gone ahead. In a most fascinating way and under very difficult circumstances. And himself perhaps the product of, of, of a new Ireland, a more literate and articulate and better educated Ireland. Of course, the constructive achievements of the Doyle, and to you, the constructive work of the Doyle, I think was Erskine Childers' pamphlet at the time. This is something, I think, which perhaps when all is said and done, will be the most lasting memorial to you. Well, I suppose the lasting memorial is that a parliamentary form of government did come into existence within a revolutionary framework. And that despite all the vicissitudes of the civil war and the rest, that the concept of parliamentary government and democratic government survived in this country through periods of enormous test in the 20s and 30s. This was, I think, a great contribution of the amateur politicians who went in to Dáil Éireann in their green uniforms, or just leaving their green uniforms, as it were, at home that day. Uh, it was they who, I think, brought this thing in. And while we can be critical about many aspects, particularly the failure to develop an adequate social policy, we must also recognise the enormous positive contribution in terms of constitutional government. I agree, yes. Um, much of the 19th century English jibes at the Irishman was that Paddy was irresponsible, he couldn't govern himself. From 1918 onwards, despite the regrettable setback of the Civil War, the, one of the great comforts, so to speak, for our generation is that Paddy was able to govern himself. So while it is a time for critical reassessment, it is also a time for the praising of famous men and our fathers who begat us. <laughs> In the name of the Irish people, we humbly commit our destiny to Almighty God, who gave our fathers the courage and determination to persevere through long centuries of a ruthless tyranny and strong in the justice of the cause which they have handed down to us. We ask his divine blessing on this the last stage of the struggle we have pledged ourselves to carry through to freedom. Chromader er oberanlation le credive Gemedis inan an realtas nua bonaha, a huert slon on a nida. Kurda quigge le docus, gadurfi doiv fein est an a gluna in the ye, maraktal gashia conta, agus kasanasach, fui reim an realtas shin. Agus hare ni ella, vi graaka de ering, a talav, a winter, a tanga, agus a duchus amlon. A mioch masha is raw as a nua utter for your realtus duchesach nahern. Pig canary nahern gamar, on vrie vile genevan le ur, agus higgard the freshen, gamekart genevu gokuen, agus gastuma, agus gadian walter. Bean kian korla kahal brua, a dogger shin, the seleir, nor a deesha er a revelor, 
gan ein gar volta ienov agus bin mar bechart ni hoan dan losan fein ach de gaklo a sanemach arachach realtes agus irachtes ne herden a man a gurem realachan las a nashun is uder da realtes herbe evehan agus is leseher lehuel a winter mark lesh a nashun began seher san tavakter agus beshedien ach ni veg fekolukt dalaid a wintlesh an quidis moya ni vanen mortis na muster na gorhes lua lesh an ober is dual da realtes ni mur dalaman ne hebrishin ga kriena agus ga dichluk agus ga lanunuch mata ra leve erantir agus erem winter tasha le fogete gwinge nyu fimari yen kahal brue kwege vliena hin nach oit dalurig na de gar volte isha ach loher dien ibre agus seher er mahe le winter ne heren efekent shear doing ahenimish nor war riev er halb ne herden glun ni buishle na iet chud de vanig realtes ne herden agus a kur eg faimu e englo agus govasker a martakon agus geniev a mos agus gneving dum prieder iet fein go ferul agus go husel shina adanig realtes ar dire kogging mar airacht uha quinimish Gor kanieder gdoer doing a. Hug kudeka amaha erahan. Kudela avar deshen kaha vira lonta kriyata agus kudeg blienta enoiga amu arhagaler. Bimishna gferul agus gohusl agus ahanimish grebe is dritta doing na hir de vora le broad agus le vichas kri. Ahenimish gordina dena evianta agus nach feder dan dena dena dal har echri yihel. Bevor e enihel agus bekrogig e emart anur arug shid realtes natirisha as live an aktonig pne ardu erangul ni fein. Dinimish na aharisharha er na fil fir uesl shin. Kramemish kan ibre femare yinader. Beg a yehel la dina veg gach dina agwin mata an nashun sha la tiacht slan asan quega vlian ita roin. Esteg dal enene ita anaber dure mar ita udras agus sturo an realtis elaha agoni. Ins nakursi kasta ita roin amach a winen a vjagno a muor le gach seranach. Ni muor gach tariskin de va gatiskinach. Agus gafat kenach, kontakt eran reitach is tarivi agus is kahrima, ek fekent dan las pasenta agus dan las kutchen. Nur a chuig kedail eran aganas, se fursid rompa, no nashun kreachta, gur skrisag is hevras, gur klis er furbert kultura is selta, is gur fogag enasnav er, na hinstituti emin banaha en gach ser nashun, Le fragert da riechtenis is da rukes. Kademar aber vila dienev, dan severus kalturhe, agus furbert geliger das praga tridan tier. An miakse readul, e chapa, gudvetvi 
na bianan galair elina agus na halangi galair elias lastig de quegeblian dimish redul agus animish go will seher force roing then a revbartaha quegeblino hin de khur greek animish freshen go gahe gaktine agwing a chan fein then seher na shunta ayanov dairigles anirak na shunta quegeblino hin tashkar kurna milta de guina Einer, a dull lesson yirut, Augusgar Emir, Augusgar Yinadar Bart, the rare Natala, the V. Shelah Akur. Coffee meat freshen, a yenav, er a redulat. Coffee meat Arish yenav er a redulat. Dinug gok erenuk, Bart can antira have rua gursi gano, no a gursi cultura. Nilenia na feden geneve egen yenav. Mas Kruigan Seher at Fos Roing, Tosh Sach Eske E, a Hiskind, Unasker Feder Lagartina of Part Eglachaan. Is Feder Lagartina a Hiskind, Gumrahan Slivaha er or Lot Ibre, August Melun a Himmerke, er Arena Herden a Kianakan Sa, August Arena Herden a Yel Harla. Nilenia Aun, not Federesh. Kauru a vyog no avur leshan quid shindan abil. San korha na shuna shaye, a sha a danga na shunta is a kultur dukish. Is feather lagach enya, treshulesh an guelga agus an leshan kultur dukish. Is eski a vexhe doiv, dremar a veg desh idakish ni as far, a gach en a gach akma. Anuskamegan Guelga an the Gachenia at the Bok de Sever, Ishel is Ursel. Madurug Elehed Hanif, Agus Montarm or Ahra, Shean Fon a Derem Shin Noguil, Shefir Fos, Fimaravi Shefir, Unhead Ur a Durage. She Lam Clorna Feeringer, Nach Martigan Nashun, Gan Mass Egan Winter or Hefein, Agus Gan Tulaka, the Hervish and Nashun. Is le Munin Asing Fein, Edinog Gok Divert Gadisha, Agus is Alig Veg Quiha. Noligamista Enya, Scaler no Log Mishnach a Kurshiraring a Hilla. Mavima Tra in our Nashon Plor the Tira Ella, Bimish Fox in our Nashon Plor, Sukama, and Winok Lorn Tarava, Os Arvain Realtus. Cadabu and Fain Realtus, Manavilimid Kunashun Slon, Firfa, Ienev, the Ering, Leshnakorhi Sacher, Agus Marsha Eke, is Dul the Nashun. Is Quigashin a Bonui, Boniag Realtus Dukasakansa, Quigablinahin, Galamishinu, Nach Stenamid on Seher, Gudigaminamid on Aim Shinamach Gahamlan. Shinian, Queen of Connus Mo, a Hantogna Fir Aquir on Realtus San Erbun. Er Okaid Korha in our Shunta is Qui Gugafi, Queen of Khan Buan of Yach Runach. Tase Sakraha Egan Realtus, Gunyen for Plak Quivna, a Kursus Ediganor Weir, Gun Quivna on Lay of Oniag Realtus Dove, a Wuskilt of Fobel Lienver, a Hahian Anti Shah. Augustinish toward Aig Aran Quegeblin at our rowing, Guim Gur Evergreen, Tredevins and Nashunsha. Mar Nashun on Fain, Gurduil de Chantanashun, August Dilchuk, 
agus sherevis am wintere. Guim grevshe de rokus agwin, gedur for doing an na shuncha a huot slon, tregak fide agus gak jachelt a hyakig in uus erring. Dokus freshen, gedjachig le winter, nyan jai hala, ngachar de erring, an tentus agena etan, ahara gafir a ahent. August Gach Asantis at all on Yara Amach on a Kela a Haru. August Guim Hagak Ni Grev Gra Gwingdar Deer, Dom Winter, Estar Nuthus, Esco Nyati and Tirgra Shin, or Nul Kana Nobber at all a Dienel, August Les Dulgus at all a Colina, Honest Gadilamish, Wirkus Nagluna, a Yokigan or Nig, Femad Hill or Shincher. On Buyakas, Etamid, Aharishkin Tov, in you. There are righteous and patient, and the Sanish, Rafa, Nabasan, and Tarte Liam Makaske, and Tarte Liam Makaske. Senator Sheehy's Corla is Trahul on Uri Shah, nor a talk, Queen O'Lackhead Vlian, a Yenov or Kate in all, Nakia Dala. Brehnu a Yenov, or on Voros a Ta Dienta, Selakhead Vlian's Shin, a talk Hacha on Teno La Fihe. John R. Nege de Nedieg. August Freshner and Uber, a tall a yen of August Nockfalor Hurt, Fuyamak on Shop. Is no door on Rode, August is Jacore, comma, Gorgnachling Trocht, Gaharaha, Sanoinish, full of theatre, and Rudinak will dente a rancor, nor Rudinak Nyarna Akoduna. O Kaiji Runoki Shop, Lahara a Yiru, Eronvoros, Rina Janoin, Erudshan, Jakrapti, Augustima. La Bugnok Lakhead Blian, Tafima Buntagwing, Asan Munko Spore, a Viegan Gay Dal Ud. Sheshin and Tirche Politicule, a Vehagwing. Conor nohi fein, a rira de rare or dulla fein. A cursa nash black fein, sasail laganamach to noshun, sho, of will ka other. Negeda blean, conahantas oil, da cart con nash blackish. Rina gak party, a will colti, de on shohinu, kyun, than say her shin. Is fear or noy, Naknyarna Jevon, Major Laher Nilla. Dundokus a vee a glucked, and Tinol Sanoit show lackhead Vlino Hin. Ni more doing docus a vehaguing gore chauffeur, Diagar Niagamakon show, no yaktrixi a kushkion filahar, and Varahul shin a hout concrete, and Guskamayan tear. In a nation um lawn a wan or reach, a big bunahe, a cohishkant, Augusar Kor Kutchenta. Nienfi ain't smocked, 
Norwegen, Gnorchigishin, is as Corvinin, as Corlassene, a hero a Chukishe. Bin Jatrakthil a Rechakagoni, nor a Vonitor start nua. Ogespiorine galor, den lakhead vlian shakacha, a kahav, a munin yaktrik, the a wind doing fame. Shane Ganeva Tali Yenev, a Gwinganish, Usai Dumlon, a Yenev, then Desha Ta Togaha, a Gantirsha doing, a Gusansel Shashiltashin, a Vunu Darmwincher, a Hurfi Kart, a Velesh and Thread, Ada Fianadok, her son Nasirsha. Kegor Mure on Varas Gursi Sushilta, a Gus Akna Miokto, or Boniogan Stad. A summishin jacrupt a ta la rechuk fos. And father ta quid dar muncher gan shli varak ta la koir. Nu gan jesh chakter and slishin nil manaman a muncher a hin oil and show on ten ola fihe janair nege de nejeg punchamakagwin. Is kartu in galer run dangin a yenav fullasi ad laka. Hogan the lassana a yenev is ga con a crehishin. She credem gore chofer ne jacrapti shin mavin pulasi creek nula run danganagus kinneruct kausiagwin. Kahamid dolomon nevarish godihalok onus govedi on drama hyoki in our neog. Fakin sheer. La broader and seher a big dente. Liam McCusperinchin, Kinnera Erin Aguel, Agus Mach, the dinner go hachti and care dollar. Agus Mish, get up a lorry. And rare summer dinner, he fell out no yallock shay, cream and winter, a being sun. And care the way old. Ta quidaku and so gafoin. Either in a sea or not. Milanege the Sanediog. Togagleru, Kor, Comer, Erin, Bolsonak Shin, Ivorogre, Milet Nege the Sashediog. August Togga Mino, Nisam Lani Irha, Igar Dinahadala. Kinere Erfatin, a kind of Lucian. Don a bontroraka aleriac, Ivorogra milanege de Sashediag, Nakfalarnogar Kurshe, Togal Cree, Er Fubble Naheim Shrishin, Nadina Avotal Don a Chaktishin, Augustana Barsula, Aleriac Codlinshin, the Taktishin of Vienna Siansha, Novi Brisun and Thrashin, Bukwidi the Glushak Yuntak, Agmincher Nahern, Consertia Hoshlak of Wintamak, Comalish and Tirsha Folichun. Shame a yarkaser and law new. Goloe go giramid shin fain, fe yal oskor fubble nahern. Or nocusakor as a nua. So public antagus, socialuk, a via the cuspor egg the sour fear shin, a gnohig doing on tertia a togging. Gauman gal shin aram harkown mufferty. Marishe a credum, Gadogan comora mar asia. 
Lergus, Brescia, or Brescia, and Noakana, a ta imhala father. Agaserebe, me and Pobblinatira shot, a savel ave, idresha reach. Masanguil and town Tagaha da Nashun shot, Phila Ervon Fronsebil, Jamishu Conile, Father Greg Firish, Agasamasi Clerig. Agasquil and Glunsha ag fakin den kedor, La Holis Carta Isle, or an mri a viagna firshin, leshen bublacantus. Lakid blino hin, be eed manmana agas mean gna vincher natirisha. Nashunaveako gan tierni chalun. Agasi ser o hirnis lukt rakmish on gogreek. Nashun in an enfi, kokorum da clan galir. Agas nahle lever scamal nespera a vake koyeshinador. Be an ashling nashun a vehako, er heravishig owned on fobble. Agas nor vashtri own er in bobble. Agus a make tussiak down, a cart agus lass on fubble, or cart on dinner ainer con wina. Masum goilan tra tagaha, nor a kahamid thaim a hurt, the bar hula a vi, evorogra mila neged, is a shadiag. Agus at lar, denlahak, a foreek, a cage an old dalern, a tamid a camora a new. The sien ked dulgasering, famer a druk set lar denlahak. Glace the halahar can last corpora, last predalta, agus last intellecta, nalani a coronair hedo. Fakin kige, nak megan tukris non fuk de galunt, er ain lanav kalbi. Edig not deen tea. Akavag sheed, got kor agus glace his godoi. Contagust agus tahi kartahurtov, egorn a hibra a vegla denavaka, mar kalti the serstat gaelic. Shinge na hairi, shinge ar nulgus. Valer the gina ar nosar nuktaran ima devalira, avuskilt naheran, agus hugshid leerud ana forhula, avwinleshan avuskil shin. And you, ta avuskilt ele adena venerin, agus se ar nulgus galer, i a an, agus faim aturti, ahurti. Se ar nulgus in a can shin, i ar horu ar an mohor, Kondagas spori nashunta agas socialiker ata fichafuhe trihonsknov arsirsha. Laramsha labro do lehan lak ibrikish. Marase shemes o kanela a hosigan glushik ibrikish. Agas ine chantishin a vonik arm na seeranak kontrid er son na seersha. Agas lerig na milcha da lak card common a honig fe anoil e kanela agas i larkhan an lu hak ip let Glushak Nasirsha, nor at Lakshid Park, part the Stalker Generalta, Agus Hugshi the Mio, or son the Koisha. Ta brought our impression. Garavar the kid, Farty Ibricus, Tomas MacYoin, Argade Kianasi, Ante Scrive, Bondrake and Clara Delhig, or Kira Alahistak, Sitlar Dera. Is our mother slung or grid, Padrick MacPirish, Agashemus or Canele, Elehekele? O spread agas o manman, snalente glorvara dera ood, nor a dashairig, a nashun fein nua crop. Agas ema gokas ga jogig saval, shin dente ka nyu, idar agna publicantagas, agas agna anibricas, daun rehek a oil er na mor faiban a tariv pobal na hern fui lahar. Ta galcha gom har kyan ma farti, ga meg daim a ka sanaum le chakt, an obratar reeked in a curar filed in the dina. Natiha tali ye or a hogoil, 
and Teravish Lant is dulled of a halaher, Agasa Kul, a Karanarha, than Shan Agastan Eslan, Igamin in the will Jantaka, er our son, Agasa Fakent, a mock doing Harna Farage, a Tanar Jimple, Tomafarti, Karaha, Feg Yalagam, Godliff of me, the Connor Nashiakana, Agasne Nyod Rakish, Agasne Susia than Illegine, Kiba AI, the Meg She, the Mridenis, Lashan Inton Shinaging, Ni more doing Queenu, a Rohaitha son Kanili, a Yarfig, Garabidna, Hymanma, Kena, a Taig bubble, Huig Agus Hass, Gan Kruchen and Tail of the Hikorarha, Dedadish, Tanava Wind as an Allacht, Agus Asna Buina, a Taig Windlash and Tanga Gelge, Agus Lena Litriac, Maradurtan Kanilak, is five Hoshel de E, five Nahern. Banavni Lesh, Tirna Hern gone winter na Hern, a Kurgan Arab. Shinny gone Ahru, an old sonoct, a Targing. Anishta Derrote, a Gritishuk, Agasa Kinnery, Bafri Fati, and Dafatinus Ura. Laska here looks Laura. Kahirlig. Titan shay the Kuram Aramsum or Las Kahirlik, Lar Tarkana Tianad, Egan Chin old Queen Akan Shah. Thraktasa, Town Anish, and Tukdaran Agus Gahyak, Is Ira A, Eraraktus, Nideg and Nideg, Evi Wad, Nishim Plea and Akoyanov. Ni Rev Shanadar Bih, Aun, Nideg and Nideg, Devri Bajer, Nak Rev Winteg and Bubble, Letawa Yak Nadirnis of Rathen. A Togud and Dal, Togang and Nish, and Vurquid and Kuot, Agustin Udaras, a Vegan Gay Dal Erden. Ta Arnuil, Agusar Nocus Leshafak, Gurhainig Don Direct, Kunetianid, Marwak Socher, Kion Egan, and Var Haulakus, Agustin Digrish. Behan Tre Sakaid Dal Shin. Danyon Gakur, Hanigern Sail, Hamakna Heimshire, Tarian on Lanunakish, Lahant, Everon Ganeha, then a Hinstitudi Politeacta, Inakilatir. His father Leshen Stari, a Fakan Shear though, Er or Harla, on Lanunakus Banusaka Ahant, Har on Lanunakus Nariaktanak. Shinga. Ta Tagahelakhelia and Sahanyov, Markolti Draktas Erden, Bajer Gurjakar Duinga, Ither Yalu, Dalahedshina Ahant, Devri, Nawilan San Olasagring, Agusko will tra Nakhed Dala, Rohongrok Duing. Osrade, Grevalan the Kolti Nakhed Dala, Naviroga, Neil Brishu Umlan Fos, Erin Green, Lish Nadina Bakoalti D. Ach Farir is Kail and Queen E. Anish. Kidwad the Nosa Makhtan Araktish, Tashi le Chakt le Ganasana and Khaidala. Biok, Gur Kleinu Nadura E. On Nosa Makhta, Ig Kogal Rave Lodak. A Yakt, Kunfarash, 